Hi, and welcome to the next fireside chat here at FreightWaves Intermodal Summit. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm the executive publisher here at FreightWaves. We have a, a great uh, conversation right now about chassis and the pools, congestion, fleet sizes. There's uh, there's a lot going on in this space. So it's going to be a, a wonderful conversation with Mike O'Malley. He's a senior uh, VP of government and public relations at DCLI. How are you doing today, Mike? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining us. And uh, let's start off uh, telling our audience a little bit about DCLI and uh, and what you do. Sure. So DCLI is uh, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're the largest uh, intermodal equipment provider uh, in the U.S. We were spun off of Maersk about uh, 10 years ago and started with 64,000 chassis. We now got almost uh, 250,000. Uh, so we've grown quite a bit. We've acquired the assets from ocean carriers uh, and also the domestic chassis business a couple of years ago uh, from Trek and Motor. And so, um, you know, we are active all over the country. We serve all the major ports, ports and rail ramps. And, um, you know, we're, we're it's a busy time, obviously. And I know we're going to get into that in a little more detail. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Let's, let's just dive right into it because it is a busy time. We have record levels of imports coming in, uh, both at the ports and then at the, the rail terminals as well. There, there's just this historic amount of freight moving. Uh, how's that been on the front lines uh, with uh, chassis going back and forth? So, you know, it, I think everyone in the supply chain is having their challenges along the way. We're, we're certainly not immune from that. And uh, I think, you know, one of the things that have really surprised folks is just not only how high the volumes have gotten. Port LA, for example, has done 10 million TEUs in the last 12 months, uh, but also how long it has lasted. You know, it's just it, it, this peak season just keeps going and uh, there's really no end in sight. Uh, you know, so we're doing everything we can to serve our customers and uh, and meet the needs of ports and railroads and, and motor carriers across the country. Uh, you know, in addition to the volume, I would say there's kind of two specific things I would point to that have really, uh, you know, made it even more difficult, if you will. The first is uh, dwell and the amount of time customers are holding on to our assets. So in a lot of markets, it's as much as double. So let's take Memphis, for example. We had a little over 2,000 chassis on the street uh, pre-COVID. We've now got close to 5,000. Uh, but, you know, we also are dealing with customers holding on to them for eight days instead of four. And so what happens, it effectively cuts your fleet in half. And so we're really working hard with our customers to say, please bring the chassis back so we can turn them around uh, and get them to the next customer. The second thing is uh, there was a, an anti-dumping case that was brought that has really put uh, significant pressure on chassis manufacturing. And so China used to be the largest source for chassis, uh, and that essentially has been shut down by this dumping case. And so the U.S. manufacturers have started to, to ramp up, but they really didn't do that until the springtime when the case was nearing its completion. So you had a pretty long period of time where there wasn't much production going on when demand was kind of going through the roof. So that has really made it difficult for us. Yeah, you, you've seen that all through the supply chain, right? Now. Demand's going through the roof, and there are these organic uh, for for each different mode. That these 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 constraints on capacity that that are making uh, the, the issues worse. I mean, you said the four days to, to eight days, uh, you know, dwell dwell time and excessive dwell really cuts down on the fleet, and it makes the the, the problem of moving those containers around, you know, just that much more complicated. It really does, although I think, you know, what you're seeing is everyone coming together and, and doing the best they can. Uh, so I'll give you a couple examples for us. You know, we have uh, been working 24-7 pretty much for the last year 
with our vendors. And, and I really want to give a shout out to all the folks who are uh, the mechanics who are repairing our chassis at ports, uh, at inland facilities. They've done a phenomenal job. They've worked overtime. And, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, basically a chassis comes in, it goes out as soon as it's prepared, uh, you know, out of service levels are close to zero. So that's been a huge thing for us. Um, and, and we are continuing to invest in the fleet. You know, I mentioned the manufacturing constraints. Some of those manufacturers are having a real hard time getting labor and, and other things. But, you know, we're, we're ready to invest. And so uh, we're essentially buying everything our, our current suppliers have and, and looking for new ones at the same time. Um, because, you know, the, the more we can do, the more we can build our fleet, the better off we can serve our customers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you have these historical historic highs. Um, is that kind of across the board everywhere in every like rail terminal, every port? Is it pretty broadly or is it concentrated in, in different markets? You know, I would say it really kind of started last year on the West Coast, particularly in L.A., Long Beach, but really in, in Oakland and Seattle as well. Uh, and then sort of gradually moved into the Midwest. Uh, but, you know, by the by sort of the end of last year and, and really since then, you've had it almost everywhere. And so for us, that's been part of the challenges. You know, typically you'll see a, an uptick in one market. You can move chassis from one to the other. Uh, but there have been limits on what we could do in this market when it really is is almost everywhere. Uh, but I would say L.A. and the Midwest markets um, have probably been the most challenged. You know, part of it in the Midwest was there was a major kind of polar vortex, as they called it, back in February. And, you know, it, it, it's been hard to sort of pull up and out of that because the volume just kept coming. And we lost, you know, at least a week then when a lot of the rail facilities really shut down due to all that weather. And are we still catching up? Is the market still catching up from that hiccup as well? You know, two or three weeks of extreme weather is still uh, reverberating with the bullwhip down down through today in, in August. Right. And, and I think, you know, in normal times, you know, we would have been able to deal with that and you would have had a couple of months maybe where there would have been a real a real issue. But, you know, it's just continued because the volumes keep coming. And you saw, you know, some of the railroads start to meter traffic a little bit. Uh, you've seen the ports on the West Coast talk about, you know, 24-7 hours. Uh, you know, everyone is sort of looking under every rock and trying to do anything they can, uh, you know, to to get through this period and, and, and serve their customers. How about when we go into to new regulations or regulations that are out there? What can be done? What doesn't need to be done, maybe, um, to, to, to solve some of these these issues? Sure. So one thing I'd start with is, so I mentioned the investment that our owners have made, $2 billion in 10 years. Um, and we've moved really toward what are called competitive pools. And so think about that like rental car companies competing at an airport. So the Port Authority gives us the footprint. And we compete with Track or Flexi or whoever it might be, uh, you know, for customers in that particular facility. That works really well for us. We have direct control over our assets, and you tend to see higher quality, higher investment when that happens, right? Um, what you know, some folks have pushed for is what are called great pools, and in fact, they want the federal government to come in and mandate. And so, about a year ago, uh, the ATA's intermodal conference filed a lawsuit at the Federal Maritime Commission, effectively asking the federal government to come in and say you can no longer do competitive pools. And so, you know, it's a little counterintuitive why a business organization would want to not allow competition. Uh, but what's really behind it is there's a handful of trucking companies that have their own chassis company. Uh, and by you know, they really haven't made the investments we have over that 10-year time frame in a national infrastructure and the maintenance and repair contracts and, and relationships we have. And so, you know, in essence, they don't like where the market's going. So they're going to D.C. to try and get it fixed for them. 
uh, in ways that would, you know, help them over really everybody else in the supply chain. So, so some of that's maintenance, some of that's repair. Uh, some of it is network capabilities and, and technology is always coming out to, to address some of these. Is, is technology a better uh, solution to, to these problems, creating more efficiencies rather than overhauling the system? Yeah, so I think everyone in the supply chain is looking at technology and where they can invest, you know, for sure. And that, that's no different for us. We try and do as much as we can to work with the customers to streamline that process. You also see some of the port authorities, and I would say the Port of LA has probably been out front on this, uh, really trying to collect information from all the different parties and allow people to, you know, the more information you have on what the demand is going to be, where it's going to be, the better you can perform for your customers. And so, you know, that's certainly something that we uh, pay great attention to. We want to work with our ocean carriers who give us really good forecasts over a long period of time, as well as the terminal operators and the ports and everyone else. Do you see there's a greater need for efficiencies and and how chassis pools operate in the, the smaller you know railheads and ports than the larger? Is there there's like a, a huge discrepancy between the efficiencies of both? You know, I don't think we've seen uh, major differences. Uh, I think sometimes you'll get you know you just the fleets aren't as large at the smaller locations. So if you have a large uptick in demand, it can create more of a problem. You know, places like L.A. and Chicago, we're used to seeing a lot of a lot of demand. Uh, and so we've got kind of the resources to deal with it. Uh, but I don't I, I personally haven't seen a, a major difference between larger and, and smaller markets, um, you know, generally speaking. And right now, you know, the volume's everywhere. So, you know, there are very few places where you can point to and say, well, there's not a whole lot going on there right now. I, I know these historic volumes. Sometimes, you know, every crisis or is an opportunity. Are you seeing a lot of uh, a lot of new practices come involved or creative solutions, I should say? Uh, coming through because you don't really have any other choice but to to try everything and anything that 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 might be able to work. I, I think I, I've been incredibly impressed with sort of the way our team has responded. You know, basic things like how do you get those chassis repaired faster? How do we work with vendors? But also things like how do we improve our forecasting and even just repositioning assets. So we have spent millions of dollars repositioning chassis to try and you know, be in front of the demand wherever we can. Uh, and so that, you know, we talked a little bit about regulation. There is an effort that has been driven to uh, mandate what are called side underride guards on trucks. Uh, it's really it's really targeted towards your 18-wheeler. Uh, but it, if it was mandated on chassis, you could no longer stack them. And that would mean you couldn't stack them in marine terminals, which tend to be, you know, pretty uh, high value from a real estate perspective. And you also couldn't stack them to move them between different locations. Uh, so that would create a real problem for us. And, and we've been trying to make sure that people in Congress and in the administration understand, you know, the potential downside. Uh, you could wind up, you know, moving chassis off of terminals and trucking them back and forth one at a time, which really kind of, uh, you know, un un undercuts the entire uh, benefit of what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I think we were talking about the, the anti-dumping laws uh, earlier in the session, or maybe it was all before we hit record. Uh, but but how is that really affecting capacity in the marketplace, a, a place like maybe Memphis? Yeah. So, you know, it really kind of affects everywhere uh, when you will in terms of, of manufacturing. You know, we're a large purchaser of both domestic and marine chassis. Uh, the Chinese market, which had been the primary source of those, was effectively shut down by this dumping case. You know, we've got some really good uh, U.S. manufacturers who are stepping up and, and they're, they're building their capacity. 
but frankly, we don't have what we need right now. So, you know, we're buying everything they have. Uh, I would say right now, you want to go out and order a new chassis, you're looking at probably the second quarter of next year at the earliest. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, people keep saying to us, well, can't you just put more out there on the street? We're buying everything that they're making at the moment. And we're looking at, you know, are there other folks out there who maybe haven't made chassis in the past, but they could. So, you know, we're, we're definitely looking under every rock, as they say, to, uh, to try and, and improve what we can do to serve our customers. Uh, because, you know, the last thing we want is to, is to not have a chassis available when a customer comes and asks for it. And, you know, none of us have a crystal ball. We don't know when the, this, the, these historic levels of containers coming in will end. I mean, we, we talked about capacity, too, just, just now, about bringing new capacity, efficiencies. Uh, what's your take on the next, I don't know, 12 to eight, six, really six to 18 months of, of activity? And, and where do we go from here? Yeah, so I think, you know, very few people that we talk to are seeing an end to this anytime soon. I think almost everyone is saying it's going to be at least early 2022 before we start to really see a tail off in this volume. Um, you know, a lot of people are still home given COVID. Uh, e-commerce has exploded, right? So all the things that are kind of driving this volume, I think, are still out there. Uh, and frankly, people are still catching up, right? Businesses are trying to build inventory. They've had a hard time doing that. Uh, and so I think, you know, most likely you're going to see it through early next year and maybe even beyond that. Uh, and some of those trends in terms of e-commerce, I think, are going to be more permanent, right? So that's a different way of, you know, the, the supply chains have to adapt to the, the new way that consumers are buying and uh, how we get those goods to them. They expect it the same day. I mean, you know, all the things that we as consumers expect now, uh, the supply chain has to deliver. So, you know, that that's part of our job is to work with our our partners to see how we can do that. Do you expect any other regular regulations or government involvement coming in on other aspects besides maybe the the, the gray pools? Uh, anything else that that you see that that might be um, might be coming down the pipeline anytime soon? You know, I think that's the biggest thing we're focused on because it really would fundamentally alter our business and our market uh, in a way that that we think wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. There's a lot of um, you know angst, if you will, from shippers and ag exporters. Uh, and in some cases, they're targeting that towards the ocean carriers, right? Um, and, and, and in this case, uh, th this lawsuit that I talked about earlier was actually filed against the ocean carriers, even though they don't own the chassis anymore. Uh, so, you know, we're a little, uh, mystified by that, but, you know, we're going to protect our interests and, and we feel like it'll come out, uh, you know, it'll come out in a good way in the end. And in the meantime, we're going to keep working through these competitive pools. Uh, doing everything we can to upgrade quality and deliver a better chassis for the average trucker, right? And and so, you know, we're trying to make sure they understand that, you know, if, if the government comes in and up, upends this market, it's not going to be good for them. It, it certainly won't. You know, there's there's always dangers uh, with with involvement from any outside party as, as the market works itself out. We'll see when uh, these historic levels subside a little bit and what we're, you know, what, what the, the order is afterwards you know what, what we've learned from it and what we've improved um thanks so much for for joining us today mike uh for the, this the, this fireside chat and how does uh how does our audience reach out and and learn more about dcli and, and contact you directly absolutely so uh you can you can learn a lot about our company at dcli.com uh and you can also reach me at mike.omalley at dcli.com anytime uh would love to engage with folks and answer any questions that uh, you may have Thanks again, Mike, for, for joining us today and stay tuned for more amazing content coming out here today at the Intermodal Summit.
Thanks for having me, Kevin. Really appreciate it.